Hello and welcome to the Sport for Business podcast. I'm your host, Rob Hartness, and in today's 56th episode of the podcast, we start a new sponsorship series, talking to the decision makers at the highest levels of Irish and international sport. We start with Annalise Messilati, who manages the North American sponsorship portfolio of UBS. I have had the privilege of working with Alison Felix, the US's most decorated female athlete, in fact, not female athlete, athlete, full stop, and, you know, leading NFL, NBA players. I had the privilege of, you know, shooting with Lewis Hamilton and spending kind of a couple of hours with him. And that's just incredible. And I will say that everyone that I've met, that you can just see their dedication, their commitment. I mean, it's absolutely inspirational. I just get inspired every day by the people that I get the opportunity to meet and work with throughout my role. So working with Lewis Hamilton is one of the perks of Annalise's job, but there are plenty more. We get an international perspective on stadium naming rights, community engagement, measurement, and so much more, as well as discovering her path towards sponsorship from a starting point of environmental science. So you're very welcome to the Sport for Business podcast, Annalise. Thank you. Great, great to be here today. Tell us a little bit. We're speaking to you now from your high-powered suite of offices in UBS in New York City, but yours is not a traditional New York accent. Tell us a little bit about your personal story and your journey to where you are at the moment. Yeah, so as you can tell, I don't have that Brooklyn accent. I'm originally from London in the UK. And my journey, I think my journey to this career has been quite an interesting one. And in some ways, I'm almost heading back to the start in some ways. So I studied environmental science when I, you know, way back when. And that was when environmental science and conservation were a very emerging field. And I was very passionate around conservation, biodiversity, and all of those different areas. But it was actually extremely hard to get a job so that was in the 2000s early 2000s so I thought I would specialize and do a master's but in between then I went and just got contract work and one of the roles that I got was within a marketing department at actually Citigroup at the time which was the largest um, financial institution in the world and I was within the marketing department and I was looking at their client relationship data and client relationship surveys. And I just put my hand up one day and said, do you need someone to analyze these results? And uh, my boss at the time said, yeah, that would be great. Obviously, I'd come from a science background, so knew how to dig in and do the statistical analysis. And that was it, really. So (laughs) that was my sort of foray into marketing. And then I was at City for around seven years and ultimately was the global head of marketing for their markets division. And just really just kept acquiring new skills as I went along. I took on an events role at one point. I did a lot of copywriting and just really found, you know, a role that I'm extremely passionate about and then have subsequently gone on to have a number of different marketing and communications roles And within those roles, there has been for many years an element of partnerships and sponsorships. 
which has been a core area of focus, particularly when you're looking at working with a brand that is looking at brand awareness. It's a really effective tool for that. Uh, Great. And I love the fact that you've come from an environmental science background and now you're working in a partnership environment which has Formula One as uh, as, as as one of the key elements of it. But of course, we'll, we'll come to that and and their own move towards environmental consciousness, if, uh, if nothing else. But tell us a little, we're very familiar with the UBS brand, with the UBS logo. Uh, you know, we, we see it upon Stadia. We see it upon the, the Mercedes car and on, well, for another year at least anyway, Lewis Hamilton's gear. But... Where does sponsorship sit within that world? So within the world of of high-powered, high-end financial services, sports sponsorship, and we'll speak later about the the broader sense of it, but how important is sports sponsorship within that? I think it's critical. I mean, I think you sit within Europe, so UBS has a lot more brand visibility than it does in the U.S., So we have very low uh, brand awareness within the US. We are the world's largest wealth manager, but we, the business in the US operate a slightly different model, which is more of a broker-led model. So traditionally, the brand hasn't been very front-facing. So for us, when we look at having an objective for growth in the US and the Americas region, sports sponsorship and our brand sponsorships are playing a critical role there. Um, So we've made a very big statement through sponsorships such as UBS Arena, which is a 17,000 person venue um, in New York. Um, You know, you can see the the logo from the JFK flight path. It's quite hard to miss. Um, We've got a station, UBS Arena station. Um, You know, obviously you get all of the halo uh, awareness from the from any events that are happening there and we have a partnership with the team but I think you know it it plays a critical role people we want to engage with clients and prospects and give the brand a personality and align our brand with um, sports properties through that so we look at areas where our clients and prospects might be passionate and um, in many areas it, that's in the the realm of sports also art, which I think you, you mentioned earlier, that's another another key area for us. So we're just really looking to have a platform where we can physically meet and interact with, with clients and prospects through, you know, a big event, a big sporting event or big activations, but also use our activations with those teams to storytell and to integrate the UBS messaging through that. It definitely was a very bold statement to get involved. I mean, the UBS arena, it was a $1.5 billion new build with the yeah. New York Islanders competing in the National Hockey League, you know, one of the one of the major sporting events all across the all across the United States. I know New York is the capital of of high finance, so being associated with a New York team is obviously a good thing. Was there ever any concern over associating with one team, perhaps alienating the fans or the you know the the the, the base of of other teams within the league? 
Yeah, so I think the Islanders, it's a very interesting story. So the New York Islanders were essentially homeless. So they had a huge amount of success in the 70s and 80s and were a, you know, a, a major league winning team and then have kind of had a bit of a lull in that success and then didn't have a permanent venue. So they were p- playing out of the Nassau Coliseum and then they played out of actually Barclays Centre for a while, while, which actually wasn't developed for hockey. So the, the legend is that the ice was actually slanted so that's so it doesn't play very well for 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 a game. So there, the really fantastic thing about this project is, well, one was it we actually announced the partnership in the middle of COVID, in the middle of the pandemic, when New York was essentially the epicenter for the pandemic at the time, and people thought you know everything would shut down and world the world would never return to normal. And UBS always has an extremely long-term view. We always knew that we would return back to to kind of mass participation events. And also for us, it was a commitment, a financial commitment to New York at a time when it needed it. So it got construction workers on the site. It got it was a, a project that ultimately was going to employ local people. So all of those areas were really important for us. But in actual answer to your question about the Islanders, a lot of people will kind of whisper to me at the games, well, actually, I'm a Rangers fan, or actually, I'm a Devils fan, you know, the other main key teams in the New York area, but everyone has a good place in their heart for the Islanders. They're just one of those teams that everyone's happy to support. Okay, kind of like the Detroit Lions have been this season in the NFL. Everybody's Yeah, I think, yeah. Team. You can't mm. help but have a soft spot for them, I don't think. Yeah. So the that that's obviously commitment and long term thinking is very much at the at the heart of it. You 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 say in your criteria for sponsorship that everything that you want to do is on a medium to long term basis. It doesn't get much longer than a than a stadium naming rights deal. We've got a a slightly less mature approach to stadium naming rights in, you know, in Ireland and the UK and in Europe, where it's not as advanced as it is in in America, where there's a lot more new bills. Was that was it an important element of it that this should be a new stadium that you weren't trying to attach the UBS name to, you know, an existing, you know, very well known, colloquially popular, you know, sort of name of a, of a stadium. Was that is that an important element? I think less so now. So I was part of the original negotiations around or the project that worked through City Field, and I know at the time that that was very controversial to have a naming rights partner come in over a kind of a legacy venue. I feel that the American market is mature enough now that in most cases fans do kind of expect that maybe that there will be a naming right. And then, I mean, also we've seen some arenas in recent times where there's been some resistance around that. But I certainly feel that to know that we were naming a new venue, providing the island as a home, was just something that we were it was very attractive about the about the project and also working with Oakview Group who are the developers and on their vision for venue design so it's an extremely sustainable venue so that was very important for us 
I mentioned things like, well, we developed, they developed the arena over the pandemic. So it's got one of the best air filtration systems in the world. And also a really important area for us is the client experience. So we're a wealth manager and we, many of our clients are, you know, high net worth. And we have got some incredible, like very, very elevated hospitality spaces within the venue. It's not like, you know, your standard arena and throughout everywhere throughout the campus. So if you go, for example, to the Isles Lab, which is the, the team merchandise store, it's been designed by a sort of former Burberry and Ralph Lauren team. So it's just absolutely fantastic. And they have all these this custom merchandise and one-off pieces and just all this incredible level of detail and design. And for anyone that walks through the venue, it's such an incredible experience. So I think for us, the the experience for any one of the 17,000 people that are coming through, for us to be able to be associated with that is is really important. Even if it might only be 17 of them that ever become kind of, you know, clients of UBS. Exactly, yeah. That's important. Exactly. And then the other things that we get to work on, so community and impacts are really important for us. So we look for any points where we can enhance those community and impact messages that are very important for UBS and and for the venue. So I think there are quite a lot of touch points for us on, you know, how you get to the venue, what your experience is at the venue and making sure that it's all very much aligned with our brands as well. Right. And it also allows the environmental scientist in you to come out and play as well. Exactly. That's why I love it. Yeah, it's great. And that's where I think I said at the start, that I feel like I'm coming back now more to, to, to the areas of focus that I was so passionate about. Corporate responsibility, corporate impact, community impact. Are, I mean, UBS has a, a purpose statement, which is around reimagining the power of finance and connecting people for a better world. And everything we do, and as representatives of the brand, it's very important that everything we do lives up to that statement. So certainly I get to work on many projects which look at sustainability, impact, community work, which are all just very, very important for us. Yeah, that's great to hear. Before we leave the sports arena, UBS, very familiar presence on the on, on the case of, of Lewis Hamilton and the, the Mercedes team and the Mercedes car. That world of F1, and particularly in North America now, where Miami has come on stream, where Vegas has come on stream, it's become perhaps through Netflix, the sort of the epicenter of the of the F1 world at the moment. But the relationship is is a long-term one. It goes back a ways as well. What do you get out of that partnership with such a, a high-end brand in such a high-end, high-octane sport? Yeah. So I think all of our partnerships, we tend to aim to partner with the, the best and the kind of and, and, and the most premium. And we feel that, you know, we came on board with Mercedes when they re-entered the sport and we've been partners with them for for just around a decade now. Um and I think it's been incredible for us. It's been obviously incredible for us to be part of the most successful Formula One team of all time over the you know the the time of Lewis's tenure um 
I think we have a lot of synergies between us and the team, um, just in the way that the team um, is so focused in the area of data and technology and also, again, their commitment to um, sustainability. So Mercedes has a lot of targets. They've been quite influential in lobbying uh, uh, the Formula One organisation around their net neutral targets. And one other thing that we've worked on quite well with with Lewis is obviously around specifically is around his Mission 44 initiative. So we have a philanthropy area to our organisation. So supporting with advice where we can there. And then also we've most recently looked at content and storytelling around when we interview Lewis, we very much talk around his activism within the sport and his role of within diversity and inclusion so that's it's all working very in lockstep with UBS and Mercedes they're they're just a really great partner for us and also incredible for us to be able to get our clients on site with the Mercedes team and just experience you know such a professional and incredible team within the sport and you know get access to, to some incredible drivers I, I had the pleasure of, of, of the Mercedes experience in their Formula E environment. And yeah. you're absolutely right. Everything is everything is done to action. Um, interestingly enough, and we're probably a little bit too close to the announcement now, but I've no, no doubt that Lewis Hamilton is going to take Mission 44 with him to Ferrari. Is it possible that you will actually sort of travel with at least part of the UBS activation budget towards staying with him as well as with Mercedes? So our, our we sponsor teams, not individuals. So I think generally we would we will will stay with Mercedes because our, our partnership with is with Mercedes. But I really would like to think that from a sponsorship activation perspective, whoever Lewis would go on to work with that we've laid a platform. Um, for, for him to enhance his work and then certainly we'll continue with Mercedes mission in the in the area of impact Mercedes has got a lot of commitments so likewise if we can work with them going forward to to help storytell and promote that then we definitely would okay in formula 1 you've got you've got a pitch wall which has got a lot of dashboards on the cockpit of the of the car you've got a lot of data telling them mission critical information from a sponsorship point of view and a sponsorship measurement point of view what are the key elements on your dashboard that you look for to see how f1 vegas compared to f1 miami or might even compare to the ubs arena that that area of measurement and what's Mm -hmm. working why it's working and how it could be replicated in some other areas of your sponsorship. Which are the key numbers you're looking at? I mean, impressions is really the impressions for the UBS brand would be the main areas that we would be looking at. I mean, we have looked at media as well. And then also we quite often as much as possible run our own campaigns. So we'll very much, obviously we get, I mean, if we look at Formula One, Drive to Survive has been, you know, absolutely incredible and unexpected for us when we have a lot, have had historically a lot of branding in Monaco and they always seem to feature Monaco a lot. So we're getting kind of a double, a double brand, a lift 
we've we've had the exposure on the initial race and then we get the exposure from all of the footage from Drive to Survive. So that's been interesting. And also, again, team uniforms, everything like that, we've got this kind of secondary layer of, of exposure to our brand. So we definitely look at the, the data from the broadcasts are, are very important to us. And then when we run our own campaign, we obviously have all of the metrics that we look through for our social for our social content. I think we're finding kind of shorter content is working better at the moment. It's, it's better performing. But it, and that's quite an interesting from a brand perspective, because we do really like to storytell. So that area of attention is somewhere, where's the sweet spot there? And I think that's something we're really looking at, that we want to do content that's meaningful. But how do we, how long do we need to hold someone's attention for? I, I think that's, that's an area that we're definitely analysing now. We would have liked to have this kind of longer form storytelling content. But if people are only consuming our content for a few seconds, where do we go with that? So something we're exploring. It's interesting. It comes back to that oft quoted and oft attributed saying, which in Ireland we give it to George Bernard Shaw. I think in the United States it goes to Mark Twain that I wrote you a long letter because I didn't have time to write you a short letter. And that's exactly yes, yes, yeah. Of of creating great short content is really difficult, but when you do it well, that's the payoff. Yes, absolutely. It's how do you, particularly with the messaging that we want to convey, that it convey for you know these are these are areas with um, you know in particular if we're looking at impact, you know they're meaningful, thoughtful areas. How do we? We don't want to just do a short highlight. Highlight that's something that we're definitely looking at this year. How we strike a balance there, and I feel that we we're beginning to get there as well with our Islanders content. So we have some really fantastic content that's about to come out around a program that we have with 43 Oaks Foundation. They're a not-for-profit organisation that looks at encouraging kids with interest and skills within ice hockey and uh, supporting them throughout their athletic journey. So that might be through um, equipment or uh, supporting them financially around transportation and ice time and we've got some really lovely content with them we're two years into our partnership with 43 oak and we've worked well with the islanders to develop content i mean obviously it's very beneficial for us to work as a financial institution to work w- in content partnerships with a sports team because i feel that they're much further ahead in content development that we are as a financial institution. So I think that's been very beneficial for us. So I'm excited for the content that we're about to send out um, with with the Islanders around 43 Oak. We will look out for that and and, and keep a close eye on it. It's interesting when you say that the sports teams are ahead of the curve in terms of creating storytelling and sports content. UBS is also deeply involved in sponsorship of the performing arts. But that's probably a tougher conversation to have with somebody who has as their stock in trade the creation of story and the creation of imagery or, you know, whatever else it is that they might be, whether it be music or opera or ballet or or anything else. Is that a challenge to create the right storytelling with 
professional storytellers as opposed to professional sports scenes? Yeah, I mean, I think that what we tend to do, so I would say the content that I've most been involved with is around art and contemporary art. And many of the artists that we now have as part of the UBS art collection are alive. So we we get and we go to spend time with them. We go to their studios and really the story comes from them. So we're not, we're less focused on, the creative element of representing the you know art than just hearing from the humans that sit behind that that art and what has inspired them in their creation and what's their journey been so i feel like there's slightly less pressure less pressure there because it's really just about that human story storytelling element mm. is it more challenging to to get the corporate message across in the arts world than it is in the sports world? I don't think so. I think that we look, always look for areas where we will align. So at the moment, and actually we have integrated some of our arts platforms into the sports world and the entertainment world. So there is an artist called Jeffrey Gibson He's actually representing the US in the Venice Biennale this year. He is featured within our UBS art collection. And at this year's Art Basel in Miami Beach, we had a large feature wall which presented artworks that we have within the UBS arena. So we bought our, we kind of have an installation of the UBS art collection within uh, the UBS club at, at the UBS arena. So we try to to kind of blend things as much as possible. And part of our part of the role of the UBS art team is around the art collection is around accessibility and art. So within our headquarters in New York, we have a gallery. We have an art gallery which is open to the public. And our sponsorship platforms can also provide an area for our art collection to get out there and be accessible to the public. And UBS Arena is part of that. So I think there's quite a nice tie in there. And we, you know, we have, we're actually going to have an event with the artists over the Venice Biennale at UBS Arena. So we're, we're looking for connect points of connection wherever we can, wherever we can achieve that authentically and in a way that makes sense. I love that crossover, and I'm speaking to you from a from a country in Ireland where one of our first Olympic medals was won by a guy called Jack B. Yates in the painting category, as as was the case a hundred years ago in the in the Olympics. But I do love that crossover of of not seeing one as being boxed off as being different to everything else. So creating those links, and oftentimes it can be the commercial partners that are best equipped to do that because you're floating above all of the different little, you know, peccadilloes that might otherwise say, oh God, no, I don't want to talk to those arts people or I don't want to talk to those sports people. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I just, I think it's, it's just exactly. And I think access is so important. You know, we have community programs throughout. So at Art Basel in Miami this year, we had 500 high school students come to Art Basel to experience the show. And it's just really important that particularly as a lot of the events that we, I don't want to use the word like elite, but they can be perceived as being elite. And 
we, we, we want to improve access to that. And actually we had one student that had attended Art Basel last year, well actually not 23 because it's at the end of the year, but in 2022 that when we reconnected with the school at the end of last year said that they had pursued um, an, arts, an arts career which is just unbelievable to think that we've had that, you know, we've had that impact. And that's what happens if you get access to the show, if you get access to the world of sports, what that can mean. I mean, we're doing that through 438 Foundation, we're doing it through our arts programmes and many of our other sponsorships. That's brilliant and real impact. So we talk a lot in the sponsorship world about impact, but when you can actually put it down to a single individual pursuing a career, in the art world as a result of something that you've done that must be be very satisfying I, before i let you go i wanted to ask what some of the highlights have been over the over your own sponsorship career and some of the elements that you look back on with the greatest of pride and thinking yeah we we went into that for the right reason we executed well and we got the right results coming out of it yeah, I think for me, one of the biggest privileges of of my role is the 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 way that I am able to get you know an extended amount of time and a real kind of and relationship building with with talent with just these incredibly talented individuals, whether it be in art or or in sports. And I have had the privilege of working with Alison Felix, the US's most decorated female athlete, in fact, not female athlete, athlete, full stop. And, you know, leading NFL, NBA players. I've had the privilege of, you know, shooting with Lewis Hamilton and spending kind of a, a couple of hours with him. And that's just incredible. And I will say that everyone that I've met, that you can just see their dedication, their commitment. I mean, it's absolutely inspirational. I just get inspired every day by the people that I get the opportunity to meet and work with throughout my role. And their humanity as well. I always find that discovering the fact that they they breathe, they blink, they think in the same way as, as everybody else, but we sometimes have them on such a high pedestal that we forget that. And actually seeing that anything is possible, that they are flesh and blood is is something really important. Last question for you before I let you go back into the into the world of of the city that never sleeps. Something that maybe didn't quite go so well that you learned a lesson from. I feel like the biggest lesson in sponsorships and partnerships is to understand that your entering into a very long-term relationship with another organization and that you are coming from your you've got your objectives and your company culture and approach and that needs to be kind of blended with a completely different organization generally in a completely different industry and I would say that I feel that I am a relationship manager more than I am anything else and really trying to nurture relationships and I think that also culture can be underestimated as well and many you know sports organization has a huge culture within itself and very different objectives 
So I would say that it's something that I'm always mindful of and I consistently underestimate. It's the thing that I have to work on the most is how we um, continue to have really collaborative, healthy relationships that push boundaries with organisations that aren't, aren't, you know, that, that, that aren't part of our organisation or our objectives. So I would say that that is, and sometimes that doesn't go well, and sometimes there's learnings from that. Yeah, culture will always be strategy, but yes, recognizing that that is the important element is 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 hugely important in and of itself. Well, look, it's been a great pleasure talking to you. Um, congratulations on what you've achieved so far. The very best of luck in keeping that circle turning back towards environmental science from the world of high-end sponsorship across the arts and sport. It has. It's been a great pleasure and a great learning experience for me. So Annalise Messilati from UBS, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Rob. Great to speak. Thanks to Annalise for that insight and we wish her the best of luck for the hockey, F1 and arts seasons that lie ahead in 2024. Find out more about what we do day in, day out at sportforbusiness.com. You can subscribe to the Sport for Business podcast, which drops every Tuesday and Thursday across a wide range of sporting areas on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. There are now more than 50 interviews to listen back to, including with CEOs like Ben Calverley of the British and Irish Lions, athletes like Rashida Adelecki, inspiring individuals and more. If you like it, please feel free to spread the word and if you'd like to hear from a particular guest, do get in touch. Next Thursday, we're staying in the United States with a special episode from Las Vegas at the heart of the madness that is the Super Bowl. Thank you for taking the time to listen in.